You've got a passion for the outdoors, a desire to feel the warm sun on your face, the sound of your fly line whipping through the air, the pop of the water as the fish inhales the fly you just found in the floorboard of your truck. You need to feel the cool waters on your feet, the crisp north breeze of a November morning, the sound of a turkey gobble, the December rut, the chills of an elk bugle in September. It's the longing passion to chase your obsession. This is what we share. This is what we preach. Welcome to Honey Hole Hangout. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Honey Hole Hangout podcast. Today it's me and Zach. What? Just the two of us? Just the two of us. And later... We can make it if we try. <laughs> and later we have an interview with the Texas A&M Fly Fishing Club. With Joseph and Lulu. Yeah, it was great. That'll come in a little bit. We already recorded it. It was fun. It was great. A college fly fishing club. An A&M college fly fishing club. We keep promoting Aggies on this show. Uh, I guess, you know, I don't know. Texas it's, is their problem now. That's all I'll say to that. Texas is their <laughs> problem now. I like it. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Speaking uh, of Texas. Yeah. You uh, you had some uh, first-hand encounters with some Longhorns. I did. I witnessed a fight. Yeah, who won? Um, uh, I didn't witness it that close. I heard tables getting thrown, and me and Carson ran over, and they were oh, separated. Oh, at oh that see, point. I thought we were still talking about the game. Like you were like referencing, like, oh, the game was a fight, you know? No, but like you're saying, like, like no, uh, this was you, after there the was game, like legit <laughs> there, a fight. There was legit oh, a fight, okay. and uh, <laughs> tables were being thrown. No and, way. Yeah, I, I, bunch of people had cameras out, so I was hoping that like you a video would end up on Twitter. Have you searched for it? I have. Me and Carson have been looking for it for the past, like, 24 hours, nothing. basically nothing. There was a photo of the UT fan that's been circling around, but not a video of the fight. Mm. But apparently, I guess there was some trash talk going on. Someone got pushed, and then there was fighting ensuing. So oh. I don't know exactly. Do oh, what? ensuing. Yeah. There's an and suing. I'm like, dude. No. The <laughs> UT suing. fan got uh, escorted out by police Around you guys? Um, what do you mean around us? Like, is this like the, the guy was fighting? Yeah, the UT gotcha. guy that was fighting. Guys caught out by police. And the tech guy that was fighting, basically a bunch of other tech fans, like, surrounded him and pushed him away. Oh, yeah, yeah like, you're yeah, not going. Yeah, like, you're not, you need to stop fighting, basically. Mm, gotcha. And then a bunch of tech fans were trying to cool the UT guy down. Then he was saying a bunch, he was, yeah, they were like, dude, we're good. Like, the, we got the other guy away. We're right. good. He was heated, though. I'm sure there was a lot of alcohol involved. Yeah. and But he was heated, and then, you know, there was a couple people, like, cooling him down. Like, hey, 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 we're good. We're good. Right. You know, we, we, we got him away. Like, the threat is gone, and he was still, still enraged. Just so saying everything that came Police, yeah. Police came and <laughs> escorted him out of uh, the stadium. What a loser. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, but no, me and Carson went to the Tech UT basketball game, uh, and dude, it was so exciting. Well, because I'm glad to hear that because you know a week ago you were kind of you know a lot of things have changed since you bought your tickets yes. as far as like Tech basketball and Texas basketball. When I bought my tickets, Chris Beard was the head coach of the University of Texas. Yep, and had a Tech promising season. Wa- had a promising season ahead. Yeah. I think. We were doing very well until we hit conference play, mm-hmm. and then it's like we hit a brick wall. Yes. 
Um, I will say the so last few games, it seems like Tech is... Three ranked wins in a row. Yes. So I'm not, I don't want to say that we've got it all together and we got it all figured out, but... Right now they're saying, now this could change, and Tech's got to Tech's got to win, win the almost win out or win the Big 12 tourney. But at this point, they need to win out. But they have a lot of momentum, but they'll be the last four in. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah, and they'll do that that uh, little mini <laughs> championship or mini they'll, games they do. They'll, for those last four in, they do strength of schedule. And so with three ranked top, not just ranked wins, top 15 ranked wins right. late in the season, if we can win out, I mean, it looks good that we'll – in the tourney, which is all that you hope for. Yeah, because once you make the tourney, it doesn't matter. Yeah, at that point, it's anything. Anything can happen, and if they're getting them in their momentum now, um, it'll be, it will be exciting. I just love pooping on UT. Any yeah, football, basketball. I know we got some the UT stadium was probably like ninety percent full. That's good, considering yeah. where we've been. I wish year. it was at a hundred. Yeah, I wish it was at a hundred, but it was uh, probably about ninety, maybe eighty-five to ninety per- percent full. But man, it was a riot. Um, and Tech played well, which was exciting to see. But, like, see a game where they make all their free throws. You're like, yes, that's yeah. a difference maker. Like, we won by a yeah, couple points. Making those free throws matters. Changes like those little things make a difference and. Tech was playing really well on defense, and uh, the fans were bringing a lot of heat to the UT players. And uh, man, it was exciting. It was nerve wracking there for a little bit. I bet because in the fourth quarter, Tech was—I mean, Texas was making a good run, and I think they either tied it or were within one point towards the end of the of towards the, the end of the game. And then uh, I think that they tied it. Texas tied it. And then they went down on defense after they scored that basket, and they were slapping the floor. Oh, really? Yeah, like, yeah. we're coming back. Yeah. And, dude, that pissed the fans off oh, in the I stadium. Bet. yeah. Like, you don't slap our home court. We made a dunk on that possession, and then it was pretty much game over. Yeah. The whole stadium was electric the whole game. Um, And then I think, like, two possessions later, uh, there was an alley-oop to Kevin O'Banner. And he dunked it. He dunked it, and that was yeah. It was game over at that point. Nice. Yeah. So, um, it was really exciting to be in. Uh, me and Carson almost got kicked out. Why? We were upper deck first row. Yeah. And you can't lean on the bars. What? You can't lean on the bars. Can you touch them? I don't know. Now, why they I asked us like three? They don't want somebody falling over, but the bar, the bar I was standing up to was like this high, and you were standing up. So I like, would like put my hands on it. I wasn't like leaning over, like yeah. about to jump. You know, it was just like I was putting some body weight against the bars. And they had to tell us like we were so into the game that like you're not thinking about where your we're hands not. Are. Yeah, thinking about if we're leaning up against something. No. At one point, we took a picture, and we were leaning our, like, I guess our butts up against the bar because someone was taking a picture. And they, they got onto us, like, three times. And on the third time, they were like, if you guys are leaning up against the bars again, we're going to have to ask you to leave. Dang. Yeah. But the seats were awesome because we were upper deck first row. So, so you got to like, see everything. See everything. I love That's my favorite spot to sit, like, at most sporting events is, like, the next, like, the second level at the very front. Yeah. Because nobody's in front of you. You yep. can literally you have a bird's eye view of everything going on. Yep. It's perfect. Yeah, and we were near the center-ish, so we had, like, 
middle court. Um, man, it was we. T- I took the tortilla blanket. Our goal was to make it on TV, and that did not happen because the cameras <laughs> were beside us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so no. ain't no way that's gonna happen. Not at all. No, we needed to be on the other, other side, side of the, the court. Yeah, other side of the that's court funny. to make it on TV. Um, there was, <laughs> hey, there were some funny sides. I can't mention some of them. On the podcast, uh, but there I saw a few of them. Like saw a few with like Chris Beard's mugshot. Oh yeah, Chris Beard's mugshot. That was like someone reported on that. Like that was big news. I'm like, no one is surprised that Tech fans brought his mugshot. Yeah, I know. I saw them. Like, yeah, that that's. A I saw it on Twitter. Is like Tech fans or like Tech fans brought a picture of Chris Beard's mugshot. I'm like, every team that plays Texas is going to bring a picture of Chris Beard's mugshot. Right. Also, like compared to some things I've been seeing online, that's pretty mild. Like. Yeah. yeah, there was a whole like Chick Fil A thing. Eat more Bevo. The guy in like the whole like Chick Fil A suit deal. Oh, uh, like eat more Bevo. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, a lot of Mark Adams will you be my Valentine mm. posters. I can see that. And then some other ones I won't mention. Yeah, they didn't last very long. Like I saw them once and then never saw them again. <laughs> so I'm sure they yeah, were the bar they guy were taken came away. After them too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The bar <laughs> guy was making his rounds. Um. <laughs> Yep. The halftime show was pretty cool. They did, like, dog tricks, dog trainer tricks with, like, a Frisbee. Wait, wait, wait. Is it, it – okay. Oh, no, this was last night, so it wouldn't have been. Because I, when I went and played poker the other night, Kendall sent me one of, uh, like, this guy on a basketball court training a dog that as he did cartwheels, the dog was, like, walking on his body, you know, like, at, on the top, you know? Oh, really? Yeah, so Kendall was like, this is what Daphne I do when you're gone. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. No, they were, like, throwing free, like, bouncing them off the court, and the dogs would run down uh, and catch cool, them, cool. doing all kinds of tricks and stuff, so it was pretty entertaining. Um, the guy to win a trip to Vegas for the half-court shot airballed. <coughs> you know how they do that every game. Yep. Like, oh, make a half-court shot, you can go to Vegas. Nope. Do you see the guy who made the f- the, the full-court putt for a free car? I did see that. That is crazy. Right? Yeah, I forget what school it was, but still pretty impressive. I played Frisbee golf for the first time in Lubbock. Oh, that's we were just talking about that, too. What do yeah. you think? Uh, it was fun. Yeah, I actually fun. enjoyed it. Uh, kind of difficult at first. It is tough. The power. Yeah. The power to, like, launch it, because Carson on his distance... But there's like a really there's like a technique you kind of have to have now. Did you do forward or or backhand? Backhand. Yeah. Um, but I'm like parred a couple holes. Oh, nice. Yeah. So and then I did some really really bad holes. So yeah. But or it like was pretty tree after tree, and it was also super windy because it's Lubbock. Yeah. So yeah, there was that too. It's fun though. It's I mean like it's a fun way to kill some time in Lubbock when yeah. you're a college student. Yep. Yep. So man, it was. Really fun game, really good win. I'm happy I went. I overpaid for the tickets, knowing what happened now, but still worth it. Yeah, for sure. I got to see a fight. You had a good time. Yeah, had a good time. Can't put money on a good time. Mm-mm. Now to the Super Bowl. Yeah. So okay, Super Bowl. We all said the Chiefs would win. We knew they were going to win, and we did it. Okay, but no one cares if we think the Chiefs are going to win. The question, the thing we need to talk about is the end of the game controversy. Oh, the holding? The holding. Yeah. What do you think? Okay, so it clearly was a hold, right? Like some angles have him very, like, intentionally grabbing his jersey. His jersey is making a triangle from his hold, and it did slow him down, right? Whether he would have caught that ball or not, I don't know. I can't be the judge of that. I 
So people saying it wasn't a hole, there was a blown call, are wrong. Flat out. I can understand the argument of saying they let calls or they let holds go all game long without calling it and then decided to call that one in the last minute of the game. I can get that argument. That being said, Philadelphia was up by 10 points, and Patrick Mahomes played probably one of the best halves of football we have ever seen in a Super Bowl, probably in any comeback history. So I think if you're uh, an Eagles fan and you're going to be upset by the second best, the Tom Brady okay, yeah, Super yeah, Bowl. Yeah, yeah. That, like, been, that was like a 40-point oh, so, so, deficit. <laughs> yeah, and that was in a quarter, right? Yeah, so 28-3, to three, right? And you yeah. make that up in literally like 14 minutes. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, So this spoke. <laughs> but, but we can all agree, like, Patrick Mahomes played freaking ball that last yeah. half. Like, was almost perfect as you can be, you know? So I think if you're an Eagles fan, you got to be mad at, at the way they played, the way the defense held up that last bit. Their defensive line had no sacks. None. Zero. I mean, granted, Chiefs only had one or two, I think. Yeah. Um, but they have, like, the best defensive line in the league yeah. is what they've been hyping up the right. whole game. And they had zero sacks, which is crazy. Yeah. I I wish the game didn't end on controversy. That's my only thing. Yeah. Because it's easy. Like, look, I'm happy with the outcome. Don't get me wrong. That's who the team I wanted won. But it just seems like every big game, there's some kind of controversy at the end. And I understand what you're saying. It was a hold. Um, I also don't necessarily think the ball was catchable, and it seemed like Mahomes was throwing it away. It did, because it was far. It was way far. Like, yeah, I will give you that. So does the – and I think part of the rule is does the – well, pass interference, the ball has to be catchable. Right. On holding, it I don't – not. Okay. So – and then I also understand the argument they haven't been playing it the whole game, and then people are saying it was rigged for the Chiefs. I don't think it was rigged for the Chiefs. They wouldn't have overturned the fumble return for the touchdown if it was rigged for the Chiefs. Right. Because that was a very close call as well that went in the Eagles' favor. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know where, the, he hit, where he caught it, and then he hit him, and it popped out. For the out second fumble. For the second touchdown. fumble. Yep. Yep. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, because that was the reception that he didn't have full control, or he didn't make, like, a football move or whatever they call it before yeah. he fumbled. But who's the judge of that? It looked like he caught it. It did, right? And he, he turned his body and took a couple steps. But, you know. Yeah, but I just wish the game, there there wasn't that controversy at the end because that was third down. So it was, like, it's one of those things. Like, they would have kicked a field goal, and granted, the Eagles still would have had to go down the and field and goal. either kicked a field goal to tie it or scored. Right. But, um, which with the way Jalen Ramsey was playing that last half too, I mean, like he played a Jaylen freaking. Oh, so yeah, yeah, Jalen yeah. Hurts. Um, he was playing a freaking great game that last mm-hmm. half too. I mean, the whole game he played really well, um, yep. except for like the one fumble. I think is the only misstep he took. Yeah. Um, so but he probably also don't disagree. They blew a ten point lead. Right. The game doesn't come down to one moment. It does not. Right. And I will. And say I'm too, happy with the outcome. So. Right, so it's easy to be on this side. Yeah, it's easy to be on this side. Had it gone the other way, I probably would be right there with Phillies fans. Um, or, you know, you might say, too. Like, so hey, if the roles were, whole... if you were a Chiefs fan, okay, let's just say the roles were reversed. How would you feel about that call if you were, if the roles were reversed and you were a Chiefs fan? 
third down. I mean, like, it was a hold. Like, and you could, like, especially coaching, I know how hard a ref's job is. And granted, I just coached, you know, middle school. But, like, it's hard. There's a lot of pressure when it comes to making those calls at any level. But I can't imagine the pressure that comes from making those calls at a uh, championship level like the Super Bowl, you know. So... But just like the players, they're supposed to be the best of the best. And so they we should are. hold them to a high standard. And they, they should be held to a high standard. Yeah. But they, you know, they might have missed those calls early on. Or also, too, towards the end, they probably have a heightened sense of, okay, we need to make sure everybody's playing tight football right now because we do not want anybody to win on a blown call. Yeah. You know? And so you can't be, in my opinion, you can't be mad that they, that they made the right call in that moment by comparing it to other calls they might have missed early on, you know. Um, and did he say after the game, too, that he held? He did. He even yeah. admitted. He was like, I did. He was like, it was on me. I did make that. I held that call. He was like, I thought the, the refs might let it go. That's literally what he said. Mm. So, I don't know. Rolls reverse. I mean, there's been other games I've been more passionate about that I had the call go the, the other way. A lot of Spurs games specifically, mm-hmm. but just part of it. Just part of sports, you yeah. know. I don't think Philly's going anywhere. I think they'll be back next year or two. Yeah, I think uh, they definitely have a easier path to continue for sure to the Super Bowl. Yeah, because on uh, the other conference, you have the Bills, you have the Chiefs, and you have Bengals. the Bengals, and that's like that that that's a gauntlet right there. You got to beat. And what, so what? What do the Eagles have? The Ravens, really? That's Forty ers But who knows true. if 40, they'll be consistent? They're they're off and on each year. They they're off and year, on. You know? I mean the Cowboys, but I mean that's not really a tough. The Cowboys kind of blow it in playoff time. Yeah. So you kind of wouldn't know what to expect with them. Yeah. No, they have an easier path to make it back for sure. But also too, like I'm not like people who are like diehard Philly fans. I'm not like. Oh, I'm not. A, I don't like. I don't like Philly. I actively root. That's like the one team I actively root against. <laughs> and the NFL. Yeah. Yeah, that's like <laughs> anybody but the Eagles. Yeah. So, trust me, I'm not I'm not sad or upset that the Chiefs that's won. Really, yeah. Uh, favorite commercial. Did you have did you have one? You know, uh the Breaking Bad commercial was pretty great. That one was good. And then the uh EV commercial for the Dodgers electric truck. That's the one was you're the talking ED. about. Yep. Did you see that one? And not. You were mentioning it though. Uh, actually, you'll talk about it in just a couple minutes, right? On the. Did we talk about that on the actual podcast with them? You be, we mentioned it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. Um, I didn't see that one. But was it in the first half or the second half? Uh, I don't remember. First Maybe half. It was in I the second half. I missed a few of the commercials in the first half because we had a lot of family at that point, and so it was like kind of loud. And so the second half, I was able to catch more of the commercials. Here you go. I'm going to play it on the podcast. Why don't we just do that, Zach? Okay. Get your reaction. Are you excited about buying an electric vehicle but worried that it could leave you unsatisfied? Then you could be one of many Americans concerned about premature electrification. Symptoms may include fearing you might not be able to last as long as you'd like. There was plenty of charge before, and sometimes it goes away. A lot of times. I've been working a lot. Being unsure (laughs) if you have enough power to handle your payload. 
I don't know if I got the power for this baby. I'm adventurous. I like to go all the way. I don't want to have to question if we're even going to make it. Yeah. It's a concern. Lacking the confidence about getting and being able to keep a charge. Having to stop every time we got really excited, that wouldn't work for me. Stop. Start. Stop. Start. If PE, premature electrification, is something you're worried about, go to RamRev.com and find out if the Ram 1500 Rev, with options being designed to extend range in satisfying ways, is right for you. Stop. Start. Stop. Start. That's pretty great. Yeah. That was, I'm, you know, that that's up there. That's one of the best ones of the of the night, I would say. Um, I'm trying to think of my favorite. I really like the, uh, I like the Bush one. That one was funny. Yeah. With uh, Sarah McLaughlin mm-hmm. singing in the arms of the angels. That one's good. What about the, was it the 2B commercial that made everyone, everyone think that they, that they, like, the channel was changing? That's when I asked all my students what their favorite commercial was, and that was one that most students brought up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because they're like, everyone at the party got so mad. They're like, <laughs> where's the remote? Where's that? <laughs> I, I see, it didn't trip me because I figured, also, I know that, like, my parents don't have 2B. And yeah. I was like, yeah. I did, I will say, I did a quick double take to make sure nobody had it in their hand, and nobody did. And I was like, all right, this isn't that. Yeah. It was smart, though. Smart yeah, advertising. It is. Because everybody's yeah. talking about it now. Yep. It was kind of like the one last year where it was just like the QR code on the screen. And that was it. Oh, yeah. It, it was the, but it like bounced around, right? Yeah. 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 So that was, that was a good one. Um, yeah. I don't know. I enjoyed the commercials for the most part this year, the ones I saw. There was a lot going on. So, like, I only caught yeah. some here and That's, there. That was my, mainly mine, too. I kind of. Watched a few little YouTube videos, like the best commercials of the night. But for the most part, I enjoyed them. All right. I got one article, and then we're going to move over to the interview. Let's do it. So do we have a button for this? Uh, no. It's a not-so-neat-things-in-nature. We can play neat things in nature, and then go wah, wah, <laughs> at the end. Here, let's do it. I have dedicated my professional career to the study and control of arthropods. Womp. Fairfield Lake State Park to close permanently February 28th. This article came out today. It was on the Texas Parks and Wildlife News and Media Release. Basically... Um, Fairfield Lake State Park will permanently close to the public on February 28th. Um, Texas Parks and Wildlife was notified by its leaser, Vistra, the owner of the site, that the land lease for Fairfield Land State Park was terminated due to the impending sale of the property. Texas State Parks have a, has 120 days to vacate the state park before it's turned over to the new owners. Um, basically, a lease ran out. And I guess per the contract, if they sell the land, then TPWD has 120 days to get off the property. That sucks. Um, TPWD does say in this article that they went through pretty great lengths to try to purchase part, if not all, of the state park, but an agreement could not be reached with Vistra or the buyer of the land. Yeah. Um, it's weird because when I first saw it, when we were first talking about this earlier, Zach – my thought was, why would Texas Parks and Wildlife sell the land, land of a state park? Yeah. That was just my immediate thought. Like, that doesn't make sense. But with it being a lease. lease. But then the question is, why would TPWD lease land 
that they could get eventually get kicked off of. Yeah, like, why right. build all the infrastructure for a state park and go through all that process? Right. Unless you had, like, a hundred-year lease sort of thing. You know what I mean? Then at that point, it's like, whatever. Yeah. But. um, Yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's frustrating. It, it kind of stinks that they couldn't come up with a deal. Also, like, I think as people who love our state parks and love the land that we have and the access we have, like, I just expect so many people to have that same mindset. But, like, there's a lot of people out there who really don't. They don't appreciate our wild spaces. They don't take time to use any of them. At the end of the day, like, it's a paycheck. And they don't really care about it after that, you know. And there's just, there's so many people like that. And I think that it's, it's important for us, and that's why conservation is so important. It's important for us to know, like, hey, uh, not everybody out there thinks like us. So that's why we have to do the, you know fights we have to do yeah but but this isn't even a fight no it's it's this it's is over. just like yeah. it's over i guess the fighting part is that tpd tpwd to purchase the land and i don't know where, <coughs> where the hang up on the purchasing of the land was i don't know if it was the amount of money or whatever but i i can't imagine there's so many people that love state parks even if they were short cash to be able to do it um how we couldn't like get a fundraiser together with, it, with people that would want to save that state park. Because I would donate to that. If something came out, yeah. it's like, oh, we need a million dollars to buy this land to keep the state park. I'd donate money. Mm-hmm. Not a million dollars, but I'd donate money. You'd think that a lot of people would. I think a lot of people easily. would. Especially people that go to that state park. Yeah, it probably costs you more than, you know. Probably a couple. I don't know how yeah. big it is, but... Um. Yeah, I don't know. It's depressing. It looks like uh, the prospect of a developer. It seems like a developer purchased the land. Great. Um. So it's become a gated community with a private golf course. Is that what it says? That is really sad. Yep. We already got plenty of gated communities with private golf courses. Yep, we do. We do do not have an unlimited amount of state parks. No. And it's only going to get harder to purchase land for state parks moving forward. Have you ever been to th- that state park? I haven't. I haven't either. It looks nice, though. Yeah. Man. It's just sad. All right, Zach, you ready to move over to the interview? Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, a yeah. bummer to but move over to the interview. It line, is, but, but we had a great time talking with Joseph and Lulu. Um, I, uh, the hour kind of flew by, so uh, I hope you guys enjoy listening. I know we had a great time. Here's a little teaser for you guys. Number one, there's a pond in Aggieland where you can catch a redfish, a bass, and a trout all in the same pond. I'm not making that up. Next to each other. You will hear about it in this episode. Yeah. As well as, if you are currently a student at a university who doesn't have a fly fishing club for the students, there's some great info on here on how you can start one. And so uh, we hope you guys enjoy this interview. All right, guys. So today, as our guest, we have Joseph Lopez, who is the president and 
founder of the Texas A&M Fly Fishing Club. And with Joseph, we have Lulu Hoffman, who is the founding conservation and research chair for the club. Welcome to the show, guys. Awesome. Howdy. Thanks for having us. Yeah, so um, you guys are students at Texas A&M. Correct. Yeah. It's, it's probably making Evan a little proud right now. Yeah, Evan is listening, and he's proud. He was our podcast editor. Uh, what is it, Zach, with us having so many Aggies on our podcast? I don't know. I mean, we're what close, do you guys think of? Close to College Station, I guess. Yeah, we've had a lot of Aggies on the on the podcast. Good. Yeah, good. Y'all, y'all say good. <laughs> but we only have one tech football player. Yeah. We only have one football player, and they're, they're a tech. Yeah, so. that's true. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it is. I think maybe, like... There's probably a reputation that if you go to, like, UT, you're not really going to fly fish. And the cl- <laughs> next closest one would probably be A&M, you know? Yeah. Like, I feel like that's kind of where I would go with it. So, not to be confused, because there's another Aggie fly fishing club, which I correct. believe is called the Aggieland Fly Fishers. That is correct. And the difference is that you guys are associated. It's a club for the students of the school to be a member. And the Aggieland Fly Fishers is a – um, FFI club, associated club. That in College Station. In College Station. That is correct. Okay. Yes. We, we uh, uh, actually, the, the co-founder of uh, Goodfly, a good friend of mine, Alan, yep. when we, uh, when we first, when I first moved here and had the idea of bringing this club here, uh, we kind of thought that was the best uh, route for us to go uh, to give everybody a sense of community uh as far as, you know, maybe alumni goes, uh, they could still be a part of a, a fly fishing community here in College Station. So do you guys work closely with the other club? Do you guys have a good relationship? Yes, yeah. Um, we actually uh, are planning on doing a joint tie night this Thursday. Okay. So we will be with them there. Uh, but, yes, we work closely with them and uh, try to do uh, events together. Um, as well as some casting and, and things like that together. So a lot of stuff planned for the future as well that hasn't come into the works. That's awesome. So how how does one start a college fly fishing club? <laughs> well, with a lot of hard work and dedication. Um, I feel like it took a little bit for me to uh, start this um, just because of having uh, the resources. Um, I was lucky enough to be immersed in the CSU Fly Fishing Club up at uh, Colorado State University for my freshman year of college, and I saw the community and the uh, the passion that those kids had for fly fishing, and I wanted that here. I wanted that in Texas, uh, especially at Texas A&M. Um, so I think the biggest thing was finding the founding officers to help me kick it off and get it started. Um, you know, doing it by myself was a little nerve wracking for me, but once I found some dedicated individuals, I think it helped me, uh, get everything started and get, get everything rolling. Now, do you guys need to have a, a sponsor, like, uh, um, like an administrator or a faculty sponsor being, uh, connected with the university? Yeah. So Joda Wolf is our advisor. So, uh, yes, we do have an advisor that oversees the, the club organization. So once you pull your crew together, what does it actually take the steps involved to starting the club? Yeah, so um, involvement is, is, is pretty, uh, or I guess I should say community outreach, just letting people know that something like this is finally here. Um, and also trying to make events, and we still try and make events free, um, and uh, all of our meetings free to, uh, 
you know, not just students, but people who want to just come here about the club or come here, uh, stuff we have to say at a meeting, um, and just invite being so inviting. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, because we've met people, uh, and students in particular that have never picked up a fly rod and have never even heard about fly fishing who have really, you know, gotten into the club and are excited about it. So I guess, uh, just, you know, promoting, you know, letting people know that something like this is actually here and that you don't have to be in Colorado to fly fish. Uh, so I think my question was, so you guys are a f- Costa Five Rivers Club, right? We were talking about that before the podcast. So what does it take? Well, like, what are their requirements? I'm more asking of, like, if an, if there was a college like UTSA here on camp, uh, here in San Antonio, if they had some people listening there, it's like, oh, I want to start a fly fishing club. What, are they, what do they need to do within their university and within um, the Costa Five Rivers Club to get started do they need to is it as easy as getting some paperwork do they have to go back and forth with t it sounds like it's connected with tu uh what is that what does that look like so yeah uh, i guess i'll just start off by saying that tu costa five rivers is a a, a nationwide organization amongst uh, there's almost 100 plus fly fishing clubs across the nation. And uh, what it is is basically we have a coordinator, uh, Libby Glacier from TU. She's a TU Coast of Five Rivers coordinator for all of the clubs across the nation. Um, getting in contact with her, having your founding officers and having an advisor is an important, uh, uh, I guess, start uh, starting step to yep. getting uh, the club started. Um, but once you have that down, uh, you know, basically reaching out, spreading the word that there's a club. Uh, and then you basically, you know, once that's founded, you just progress from there. There are, are a few uh, requirements that TU has uh, getting signed up with a few of the networks they have. Um, and uh, uh, one of the biggest things is getting involved in the student discount program uh, for allowing kids to have a little bit of gateway into the sport. Um, but yeah, it's really just communicating with, uh, that TU coordinator and, uh, keeping in contact and really asking, uh, all the questions, uh, to her. So, um, that's the biggest thing is, okay. uh, in contact with her first. And you have mentioned there's over a hundred fly fishing clubs associated with the TU Coast of Five Rivers, the college fly fishing clubs. Correct. That's yes. awesome. All focused on conservation and community outreach service, uh, it's, it's a really big thing that we, uh, we promote uh, for our club. So do you guys have a full board right now with your club? Right. We're missing one, which <laughs> is our quartermaster, which is, which is in charge of all of the inventory of equipment. But other than that, we're pretty full. I mean, it's, it's only been a couple months. And, uh, I mean, great people, great individuals that are – our officers now well yeah and i was looking at your guys's instagram too you guys it does seem like y'all are doing a lot of fly tying events casting events free classes intro classes are you guys getting a lot of aggie students that maybe haven't seen fly fishing before into those events yes yeah we have a couple i think uh two of the uh, the first meeting that we had the informational there were two gentlemen there um some core cadets did they come to fly tying night? Yeah, yeah, they, they did. And uh, Joseph had like kind of did a Q and A at the first meeting. Was like, how many of you guys like know what fly fishing is? And like a couple of us 
yeah, obviously. And then how many of you guys have never heard of fly fishing before? And it was like these two guys in the core that showed up and <laughs> um and then the last meeting we had the essentials of fly casting, Bill Gamble came to to talk about the essentials of fly casting with us and there was a I think he was a freshman a rock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he showed up after a um after one of those uh career fairs, career fairs like dressed to the nines um, <laughs> and he had like he was like no i just heard about it. it sounded fun and showed up so like definitely people who haven't heard of it before um come out and, and <laughs> join us yeah well it's just like he got you know even this past saturday with the demonstration he was able to cast you know 20 to 25 yards and, and here in texas i mean that's all you need to go catch a bluegill or a bass so mm-hmm. so you know after that we even got his friend he walked up and we he joined the group meet we have so i mean just just little things like that you know being so inviting i think that's the biggest thing because you know i feel like a lot of organizations lack that nowadays yeah so how are you guys how are you guys advertising i would say our biggest thing, our biggest driver is social media, like Instagram, uh, Facebook, stuff like that. Um, would you say there'd be another way? Um, Texas A&M, um, as a university, promotes its student organizations very well, and they want students to have a community and stuff like that. Um, so, like, I first heard about the club not through Joseph or anybody else. I heard about it through an email. Our, our advisor for wildlife and fisheries, that's my major, him, his name is Fajin. Um, he sent out an email, anything pertaining uh, to organizations, internships, stuff like that. So I opened my computer one day and there was a like new Texas A&M Fly Fishing Club. And my friends were like, oh my God, <laughs> that's like so up your alley. I was like, yeah. And um, MSC Open House is an event that we have every semester because we get new freshmen every semester um and you can get a table at the open house and like bring a bunch of stuff and just it's an opportunity for students like new students or already existing students to kind of walk around and like get introduced to new clubs and stuff like that so more than just like social media advertising texas a&m does like if you're with it with Texas A&M, then you're probably going to get out there. Uh, so, like, I heard of it through an email and then found the Instagram. I think it was in the email. Yeah. Um, and then from there, just it's that, it's that Aggie network. <laughs> that Aggie network. <laughs> <laughs> that mysterious Aggie network we keep hearing about. <laughs> it's serious. It is. It's great. <laughs> it's a great support system. It's really great. It's a, it's it's when they, it's. I think of it as a support system. <laughs> I wasn't gonna say the c word. <laughs> uh, if you guys want to say it, you can. <laughs> the indoctrination. <laughs> the big old family. Yeah. <laughs> it was a big old. Hey, you know what? Nothing wrong with family sometimes. So. <laughs> so how how does a student become a member? What's requ- how does a student become a member, and then what's required of a member of the club? So show up to our meeting. Um, the biggest thing is uh, we have uh, our dues, of course, which we offer twenty five a semester, fifty dollars a year if you want to pay in advance. And then w- our our biggest thing is with the sign up uh, to you. Um, 
has offered for every member that signs up, they get a free TU membership as well. Okay. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Yeah. They're already, they're already in that. And then, uh, we get them set up with, uh, uh, Fly.Fishing, uh, the network there that, that TU has. and uh, What is that, Fly.Fishing? Yeah, yeah, I've never heard of it. So that's that's a gateway where uh, where we can communicate with every single TU Costa Five Rivers Club across the nation. Mm-hmm. Um, so a gateway where the uh, prospective members, they get to uh, have access to a student discount program with uh, uh, partnering industry companies, uh, like Sims, Orvis, TFO, um, people like that. So it, it's it's a really great. Uh, Is it like a community too, where there's like message boards and stuff like that? So you could reach out to other presidents, or Lulu, you could reach out to other conf- conservation chairs and like collaborate or get ideas and do all that yeah, as well. It, it definitely it, it, it's exactly like almost a fly fishing Facebook. <laughs> um, okay. And we are so new that I haven't got all of the, the officers on board with that uh, exactly yet, uh, which I plan on doing here this upcoming week. <laughs> uh, but I, you know, I was focused on more of getting getting settled uh, first. But that 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 is a really great uh, gateway for for uh, the students to be a part of and to see all of these clubs to see what they're doing. Um, a lot of the TU coordinators and the uh, directors post on there as well, so we're able to communicate with them. Okay. Like awesome. I said too, then it also makes it like a reasonable entry point, you know, and as far as like getting your own equipment and actually getting out there on the water. Yeah. And exactly. I remember being a college student. There wasn't like cash flow. I was not buying a brand new Orvis rod. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm the cheapest. <laughs> there is. <laughs> are you a, are you the pawn shopper of the club? No, like I was. Uh, we were talking about it earlier. I have one outfit that was gifted. to to me a fly rod and a reel um by my uncle uh, like when, before i started fly fishing and i've used the same thing um even like almost to the to the line on it is original from what it was given um from what it was given to me and i just go and i'm like ah my popper's not floating anymore gotta go get it <laughs> <laughs> hey if it's getting you out there i'm sure you're still catching fish and oh, that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure yeah I'm like it doesn't take it doesn't take uh, the expensive stuff to go and have fun. Not at all. Do you guys have any on-campus fishing opportunities? Mm-hmm. We do. Uh, one of the the biggest one is uh, Aggie Park um, that just got put in this past semester. This past, um, it was open for my ring day, which was September. So it opened up in September, and it's I have. I have beef with Aggie Park. I know. <laughs> Joseph probably really likes it because we've got we've got reds, trout. Um, wait, bluegill. wait, whoa, whoa, whoa! Time out. Hold on. Hold no, on. no, no, reds, no, no. You said redfish, bass. That is correct. In a pond. How big is the pond? I have no. So it's it's about a quarter of an acre. It really isn't what? that. But uh-huh. the deal is, is like they have almost fifteen aerators in there. So artificially aerated. Um, oh, is that so? Is that okay? Is that your issue with it then? My issue <laughs> is why are there reds <laughs> and bass all in the same pond? Like, like rainbow I, trout. Yeah, I'm talking. Yeah, I'm talking pretty big too. Like, I mean, a, a, a guad average. Yeah, they're wow. they're yeah. good fish, and there's a feeder the- too. Is the I water think, cooled? Or are they gonna like live the summer? Or probably not. No way. Yeah, yeah, I, feel, no. 
heard of uh, of one of my buddies, another officer. He he mentioned that he saw a cooler there yet the other day, and that he was talking to one of the uh, management companies that uh, stocks the pond. Um, and they're probably going to go ahead and start with uh, 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 catching and taking trout. So okay. uh, they're going to implement that. They so they die. can they yeah. die. Yeah. In which I'd rather I'd rather you catch them and you know than rather just have like a tr- you know thing yeah. full of. Yeah. So right now it is strictly catch and release for this pond. Yeah. Correct. Okay. And can it's on A and M's campus? Can anybody fish it, or does it have to be a student? Anybody can fish okay. it. It's, it's right. I want to go catch a redfish or trout and a bass in the Drive same day. All the way to, hey, yeah. We did say we were going to try to do that. Yeah. So, we know. actually are going to do a challenge where we catch a redfish, a bass, and a trout all within, uh, within 24 hours. 24 hours. Yeah. But it was going to be like go to the coast. And then the quad. Then hit the quad. Then like try to catch a yeah. bass somewhere. So um, the funniest thing ever is the person, the only person that I know who's caught a redfish out of that out of that pond is my secretary, Ben Grosquist. And we, we throw elk hair caddis out there, man, just because it imitates the pellets and we catch every <laughs> No, it, it's so cool because, I mean, when are you thinking about throwing a little caddis for a largemouth or something in a yeah. pond? It's a way to have fun and stuff. So we, It is. It's like, it's stupid. <laughs> it's like, it's stocks. To the brim and i i was telling him i think the first meeting or i was talking with somebody about why i have beef with Tiggy park is because um if i want to catch a trout i want to catch like in in a, in a river where trouts are supposed to be <laughs> trout like at aggie park same with the red i've caught a red on the coast and it's super duper fun to work for a red on the coast i don't want to catch it in a pond yeah that's a that's a bass place and a bluegill yeah. but that's me yeah um so i personally do not try and fish for the trout and the reds when i go there <laughs> that's I crazy only fish for the trout yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. but so. you know what though like if you're trying to get people into the sport like that would be you know it's a ex- good place to take them i'm assuming yeah. great place a great place to teach them how to cast too since yeah. there's a lot in some areas yeah. um but yeah i mean the thing about it is too is they have two waterfalls there so the trout get adapted and they'll sit in the the little you know the little waterfall runs that yeah. they have and you know i there's there's been plenty of times where i've just nymphed it like i have a regular hole and i've caught some trout and i've caught almost back to back with my buddies so that's it's a fun way i mean we practice catch and release of course uh, keeping the fish wet and and stuff like that so we yeah, we. That's uh. It, it's just a fun way, you know. After class, let's just go to Aggie Park and have fun. <laughs> yeah, Ben goes between classes. But right, so it sounds like redfish are the hardest ones in the pond to catch. I don't, you I know. Never. When I go, I never see them. Mm-hmm. So they're hanging out at the, at the bottom. Most people are top water fishing there. I yeah. think. Can you take watercraft out on the pond? No. 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 Yeah, it's that small. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> like you're like, no, you can cast across it. Yeah. People have in it. They're not supposed to. Yeah. yeah. I've seen guys train their bird dogs in there. Oh yeah, I can see. Oh, that. that's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's dyed too, so you can't see through it. Pretty murky. Oh, it's dyed blue. Nice. Dyed yeah, blue. it's dyed. So the yeah. bath, like, I don't know if you've noticed, but I went there like. I think a, a week after it opened and I was catching bass and they're like blue. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is, come on. Oh my <laughs> gosh. This is a sad little bass. He's blue. He's just <laughs> when, blue. 
blue bass. <laughs> it's comedy. That's the bass. The coolest thing is that since it's died, the fish really, they're not that spooky. So I'll sneak up to the pond and I'll see the bass just like right it's by the banks. And I'll just, with a caddis. And yeah. it's, it's much fun. It's, <laughs> it's just fun, you know? It's <laughs> yeah. It's so much cheating. But I think, uh, you know, I'm more worried about having fun in that moment. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's always nice. Like, that sounds like a good, there's always a good reason to have a spot that's like, I can just hit it for 30 minutes and it doesn't have to be this long session. Like I can just wet a line, relax, but it doesn't have to be an all day ordeal. Like it seems like fishing trips that I do seem like, cause I have to drive so far. So it's not worth it to go out there for 30 minutes. Maybe it's, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to go out there and fish all day, but that yeah. seems like a nice spot. Oh, just pull over here. Yeah. Take my fly rod fun. to class and then hit yeah. the pond on the way home after class. That's kind of nice. Um, it's tranquil besides the traffic. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, it's Texas A&M happening all around it. Yeah, so. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. One of the first pictures we took was Ben holding a trout, and I got Kyle Field in the background, so that was <laughs> Oh, my oh, god! That's, <laughs> that's the aggiest thing I've ever heard. No, no, the aggiest thing would be if they did the ring dunk with the trout in hand and then oh, Kyle Field in yeah, the background, yeah. you know. <laughs> that would have been a true tradition. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lulu, what are you working on as a conservation and research chair? That's an excellent question because I only accepted the position like last week. <laughs> um, but I, it sounded like something that I, well, I was interested in like joining the club, obviously. And then when he said, when Joseph said that he had all these positions available, I was like, well, let me just see what it's about. And the research and conservation position just kind of, I gravitated towards that because I'm a wildlife and fisheries major. The major doesn't exist anymore, but it's now ecology and conservation biology. Um, so that's that's it's the same thing. It's just wildlife biology and conservation. But that's my deal. Is I like wildlife and I like um, the concept of conservation. And I've done undergraduate research before, and I'm doing some currently. So I have my foot in the door with aspects of, of research and student research and how to get others interested in research. And that's kind of like what I feel is important. My sort of liking to fly fishing and especially the community that we have within the club is the importance of conservation that you can sort you can sort of raise awareness for for different activities of conservation going on through fly fishing, the entomology aspect of it, clean water, stuff like that, that I think is really, really important. So my hopes in the position, like I was talking with Joseph in our last meeting, is my first thing that I think we should do is we kind of have, uh, we want, or he wants to plan some river cleanups um, locally like the Brazosville um, River and stuff like that, uh, they can get pretty polluted. And White Creek is a local uh, river that runs through campus. It can get pretty polluted, but there's some really important ecosystems in there. Um, and we use those ecosystems to conduct research at Texas A&M. So I was kind of proposing that the next time that we get a chance to go out and do a river cleanup or anything involving our local rivers is to kind of 
I want us to volunteer for science on the fly um, to get, you know, their little samples and, and, and add the Brazos Valley to part of their sampling initiative, which I think it, it's just something easy that we can do as a club um, to promote the research of, of our waterways. And it also introduces our members into some aspects of research. Cause I feel like if we don't have members who uh, already are in, have their foot in the door with any research pertaining to fish and wildlife and water and stuff like that, it's probably a, like, it's my, it's my due diligence to sort of introduce them to that. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's what I'm excited for um, to get started with with our members. It's just going to be like, Hey, this is what exists and this is what we can do. Um, and it's not scary. Sometimes research it can be a little daunting. You talk with a master's student and they're like, they hate their lives. Like, <laughs> 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 yeah. So I've heard of science on the fly a couple times. My understanding is that you can sign up with them and they send you uh, dials where you can collect water and then mm -hmm. you mail those in and they, run different tests and samples on them and you can get the data back and use that information. It's like a water quality survey uh, okay. for specific areas. And so that they can collect the more, obviously the bigger uh, sample collection you have, they, they can get a better idea of how Texas waters are looking. Um, and so I'm not sure if they've already got uh, people from the Brazos Valley who have submitted samples, but uh, you know, the more samples, the better. What is your undergrad research in? Uh, currently, my uh, I did do some, well, sophomore year, I was invited to do some research with a grad student in the wildlife department. Um, to I, I was basically uh, organizing samples and assisting with her dissertation. I did a lot of DNA extractions and PCRs. I got my foot in the door with genetics, and that was for um, house sparrows and waterfowl. And I've been interested in waterfowl for a while, so I was kind of excited to do that. I was mostly organizing viscera uh, for a semester, which is guts. Um, really, really cold guts. Um, nice. Negative 80 degrees C, um, really cold guts. And then my current, yeah, my current research project is through the Rangeland uh, uh, Fisheries Management Department, RWFM. Uh, which is like the mother department for wildlife and fisheries and ecology and conservation biology. And it kind of, it kind of, I wouldn't say it fell into my lap, but I took a techniques of wildlife management class last semester. And our professor was like a green PhD. He's the postdoctorate fellow um, in the rangeland department. And I just thought he was cool. Uh, and uh, he did some uh, work in Kansas on uh, ungulates, mostly bighorn sheep. And I was like, this guy's just kind of cool. So I went up to him one day and I was like asking him if he had a lab um, and and what kind of work he's doing. And, and he's doing some work right now with the Texas River otters. And I was like, that's so cool. I love otters. I've always liked otters. Um, so I just kind of told him like what I had experience in, what I'm interested in doing. And one day he sent me an email and he was like, Hey, I have this undergraduate opportunity. And I was like, so I took it. And even though it's a, I'm basically, um, I analyze camera trap data from two ranches, one in Oklahoma. Um, one, oh, I should know this, <laughs> the other one, 
Lorenzo is the camera shop data for I'm um, analyzing uh, abundance and species overlap for ungulates. So specifically white-tailed deer, wild pigs, and cows. Um, basically just uh, kind of trying to figure out when are these species active during the day? When are they active at the same time? The camera traps are kind of showing us like if a deer shows up one minute and a pig shows up the next or vice versa, how does that affect the other um, for you know, specifically private land? Because when you think about it, you think, okay, I, if I've got a herd of deer on my land that I want to be pretty abundant and pretty active for hunting purposes or anything like that, but I've also got a decent amount of wild pigs, you know, how are these pigs affecting my deer? Do we need to go and call and stuff like that? So the uh, the undergraduate research aspect of it involves a lot of coding <laughs> um, and on a program called R, and anyone who knows R is just rolling their eyes because um, it sucks. Um, a lot of data manipulation on Microsoft Excel, a lot of like ripping my hair out because I can't figure out how to do something like help. Um, and it's, it's looking like I might uh, take it right now as an undergrad, I can do basically a poster uh, project for a research symposium locally um, through Texas A&M and just be like, this is my abstract and I've got some graphics and, and I can kind of be like, oh yeah, this is what we've seen so far with this camera trap data and these are when these species are active and then if I choose so, I can advance it to a, turn into a thesis for grad school if I so wish to study ungulates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Okay, so uh, you're a junior or a senior? I'm a senior. Okay. And then, mm -hmm. Joseph, you're a sophomore? I am a junior. Okay. But you yes. transferred during your sophomore year. Correct. Okay, gotcha. I transferred in, so like at the end of my freshman year, going into my sophomore year, I did a year here at Blinn, trying to make up from the credits that I lost at Colorado State University. Mm -hmm. I came in as a half sophomore, I guess. Okay. And gotcha. now I have... We go by hours. Yeah, I, it's weird. The it, years you've been here don't matter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the hours of recording yeah. in, if you have this or not. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's soon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny you get that ring and everything changes. Yeah. Just like about it. You see the You're door. in the cult. You, you see the exit door. Well, see, I, was going, I was going. I was saying like you get the ring. You like you're almost you done. <laughs> you're officially in. <laughs> <laughs> um. So what you guys you guys involved in fly fishing? So when did we? I'm sorry. Say that again. What, like how did yeah. how did you guys like uh, start fly fishing? So. Um, I've been fishing all my life. Uh, my dad taught me how to fish and hunt when I was a boy. So um, it, fishing has always been there and uh, a presence in my life. But it was not until I moved to Colorado um, where I started actually getting into it a bit more more seriously. My roommate um, was an avid fly fisherman. So he taught me the basics of nymphing, um, what a drift and how you're supposed to mend your line and, and just all of the basics. So that's, that's kind of where I got my uh, foundational skills from. And just, I, I, I went with it, man. I, I love the aspect of fly tying of entomology. I, I love it. So uh, that's really where it all got started for me. Awesome. Lulu, what about you? 
Um, so I'm the same way. I've been fishing my whole life. I like my dad taught me how to fish. I think he, he was a, he was a boy scout growing up. So he did out outdoorsy stuff, um, way up in Poughkeepsie, New York. <laughs> He's going to love that. But, <laughs> um, he like, um, I have an older brother who could not care less about being outside, <laughs> hates everything about it. Um, <laughs> But I loved it, and so he would drag me out to go and do outdoorsy stuff, kayaking, fishing. Um, we did a little bit of hunting as I got older. Um, but a, a, a lot of fishing, I think conventional fishing. I did a lot of catfishing and bass, and I love, I've loved sunfish ever since I was little. I think I just think they're really cute. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like how everyone is different. I don't know something silly, but. I got into fly fishing sometime in high school when uh, an uncle of mine, which is basically just my dad's bro. He's not really my uncle. You know how it goes. He gifted an outfit, like just a rod and a reel that was his dad's to me. And I had a boyfriend at the time who had been wanting to get into fly fishing. And you know how boyfriends drag their girlfriends around to go fishing. But <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. yeah, my wife likes fishing though, so you know. Yeah, I, I love I, I it. I have to drag her, so yeah. Well, the funny part is, is he take me everywhere, and I'd always outfish him. That's, <laughs> that is also true. That's, he outfishes that's me how it almost goes. every time we go. I, I, and I think it had something to do with patience. Whatever. She has point. yet to outfish me though. So. <laughs> <laughs> but granted, we haven't been fishing together. together so. <laughs> um, you just, anyways. But he took me the. Uh, it's a form memory the day that he kind of taught me how to like basically cast. Uh, I caught my personal best <laughs> of this day in a, in a pond, which I'm not super proud of, but it, in a pond in, in the middle of uh, North Austin in the neighborhood that we grew up, a three pound bass on a fly rod. And I was, losing my mind because yeah. <laughs> the difference between and, and part of the reason i love fly fishing compared to conventional so much is the fight uh especially like on a five six weight rod a three pound bass feels humongous <laughs> and i'm little like i've got tiny little wrists and i was screaming because this bass is trying to take like i was just practicing my cast on a popper which is probably why i have an affinity for those um <laughs> and he just just inhaled it, and as since then, I've been hooked. I'm like, this is so fun. Uh, just like even the like the smallest fish, I cherish catching the smallest fish. I just I just love it. Like it, I don't care about size, but I caught that monster bass. Um, as my personal, <laughs> it's my personal best um, on the fly, and I thought this is so fun. I couldn't even reel it in all on my own. <laughs> it's like because I hadn't, I didn't know exactly like stripping the lines and everything like that and the reeling and stuff like that so i had to get a little bit of help um, since then it's kind of been like an activity that i do with others i really like doing it with um, other people mm-hmm. it's a it's a little bit different as a girl going out and fishing alone um, but that's like a whole nother topic but yeah it's it's I wouldn't say it's an unfortunate thing, but I've primarily fished just like with boyfriends. <laughs> They're they always they like like have the energy to find all these spots and um 
once I get out there, I absolutely like adore the adventure of it. Of I will like hike for miles in a in a creek, and we have tons of creeks in Austin, the area that we grew up. Um, like I call myself an underpass fisherman because you just go and you find a place that you can put your car under a highway, and if there's water there, there's fish in it. Yeah, yeah. That's what a lot we do here is underpass. Like yeah, that. you can go upstream, you know, but yeah, and they're they're pretty impressive. There, there's like plenty of holes in there. You can catch cichlids and bass and stuff like that. Yeah. Plenty of sunnies, so I'm entertained. That's um, what they need to put in your pond is cichlids. No, right. that'd be Stop. crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's just abuse on the cichlid. It's abuse. <laughs> but then they abuse. die. So what would happen to the cichlid color? They would be instead yeah. of the purpley dots, they'd be blue dots. It'd be bright blue. Yeah, we, yeah. We would, that would be called the Aggie Land Park Aquarium at that point because <laughs> <laughs> it already is the Aggie Land Park Aquarium. <laughs> it probably is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, everyone's just dumping anything. Everybody yeah. has a call, a, you know, a fishing college for a couple months. Yeah, we got an aquarium. We had a, a tank set up at MSC. MSC. It was and a. They, <laughs> they they gave it to the Galveston location. They would take better care of it. Yeah. <laughs> so now we have a pond by to the to the aquarium. So we don't need any more species of fish. In our pond. <laughs> so what's next for the fly fishing club? Like, what are you guys hoping to achieve, and what are your next steps? Honestly, um, we we just plan on growing as much as we can, uh, and then uh, we, like I said, our foundational aspects are community outreach. Um, conservation. So any anything that we can grow in that in that field in those fields, I think is our priority right now. Um, and then yeah, just just promoting that. You know, in the past there has been clubs that have uh, been involved in fly fishing. Uh, our advisor teaches a clinic. Uh, it's basically a class once a week uh, every Wednesday, and it's a fly fishing class that they just uh, he goes over the basics of fly fishing just a regular class time about an hour long um but before that there was a few clubs that had gotten started and really hadn't they didn't last more than a year um so i want this club to to stay here for for a while yeah and I, I think it, it's only beneficial to the students if it does because um it, it just shows them that you know conservation is important that community outreach is important and it goes hand in hand with fly fishing and, and also with conventional fishing so um it's the only way that we can uh do our part feel like we're doing yeah. our part. it also gets the like the demographic of there's fishermen and then there's conservationalists and i think a lot part of why i like fly fishing so much is some of the demographic is both conservationists and uh fly fishermen Compared to, like, I don't know if this is, like, just a my stigma of conventional <laughs> fishing. You know, there, there's, like, fishermen, and then there's the conservationist fishermen. So, like, the CCA fishermen and stuff like that. Who, um, they they also educate on the importance of conserving our, our fish and our waters. So, where on earth was I going with this? I like the demographic of of getting our students involved in conservation because we could have fly fishermen students or fly fishermen students who don't know about 
projects that are going on and research that are going on, like science on the fly and stuff like that. And so it's kind of like if you can bring in the community of fishermen, everybody who likes all this one thing, and teach them about ways that their their um, activity, this hobby, or whatever you want to call it, can can actually do a lot of help uh, for research and conservation and stuff like that. And I think it's really important because that's like that's what draws me to it. I like the entomology aspect of it. I like understanding uh, the the water science behind it, science behind it, and you know, breeding patterns and all that stuff, like the whole science aspect. Of it. I think it's fascinating, and that's what kind of drives me to it more than conventional fishing. Uh, even though, like, I'll, I'll conventionally fish on the coast, uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit easier, depending yeah. on what you do, <laughs> um, <laughs> depending on what you're up for. Uh, but, I like, th- it, I think it's so cool. You guys being at the university are so connected to entomologists, professors, yeah. um, people in your department who are doing research. They could come and speak to the students and mm-hmm. in applicable way to fly and connect it to fly fishing. That's one of and so like, that's my, like a really cool opportunity too. Is that not everybody has like not the, all yeah. these other clubs? Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Um, that was like kind of like one of my one of my hopes is to I, like as the research and conservation chair, it's kind of essentially my responsibility to sort of reach out to uh, professors and we have other clubs on campus like the American Fisheries Society that does a lot of research, fisheries related yeah. research, the Wildlife Society uh, obviously does wildlife research and stuff like that. I know there's fly fishermen in those clubs, um, and I don't know where they're at. Not in ours, but definitely, like, I hope to sort of get either members to cross over or to get um, advisors and professors to come and speak yeah. about the research aspect. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, do you guys have any questions for us? Um. I don't know. What is your favorite fish? What is your favorite freshwater fish? Zach. Oh, uh, you go first. Rook trout. So uh, I'm my family's from Tennessee, and uh, so the first fish I ever caught in the fly was an Appalachian brook trout, which is a native species. They're in the Smokies, and um, I didn't see. I didn't fly fish until what seven years ago. So I was out of college, and um, I grew up conventional fishing, and just being there, stomping around in the creeks of the Smoky Mountains, I fell in love. It just brought me back to, like, being a kid, splashing around, like, in the creeks and ponds here in the hill country. Mm-hmm. And I fell in love with it. Plus, I mean, like, brook trout are beautiful fish. I mean, like, it's hard to not have a prettier fish. So, um, yeah, so that's my, my favorite fun. freshwater fish. And the Guadalupe bass are fun, too, in a close second. But Yeah, I would say I'll give you two. I like Rio Grande cichlids. I okay. think they're just the coolest looking fish. It's galaxy like in your hand. holding a galaxy in your hand. Yeah. And then I like cutthroat trout. Oh, that's yeah. that's my favorite, Landon. We're they're, on the same page. They're hard to get to, but they are worth it. They're gorgeous. They're not big, but when you just see one, you're like, holy smoke, like all this red. and Yeah, they're beautiful. Yeah. Like bright gold. And yeah. Then, yeah. Yeah. 
I could talk so I could talk a whole podcast about him, but we don't have the time. But yeah. <laughs> well, that's, no, but that's a good segue to say you could talk about a whole podcast on your guys's podcast, exactly. Maggie <laughs> Fly Talk. So yeah. uh, you guys started a. Why did you want to start a podcast? I think it's cool, man, just to have the you know we're, we're college. I students. love podcasts. I I listen <laughs> to I listen to I like true crime podcasts. I'm like the stereotypical girl listens to a true crime podcasts, and then and then I I recommended Joseph a sciencey one called Ologies. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. Ologies by Ali Ward. Uh, she just does like the uh, it's like the science of everything. So she'll pick up a topic and and reach out to somebody who's an expert in that field and talk about it. And she makes that's cool. That would be up your alley, Zach. Yeah. It's Mr. Yeah. Science teacher. Definitely. definitely. There's an ology for everything. I, I shared some with him. There's an ichthyology mm-hmm. episode, an entomology episode. Um, there's stuff about like uh, bats. There's stuff about uh, PTSD and anxiety, addictionology, like all anything you can think of. It's called, it's called Ology, because that is right up my alley. I've actually, I've been to one recently uh, with uh, Hank Green hosts it, and it is the, he has like a, the Sci Show. The Cosmos one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Sci Show Tangents, so if you like that kind of stuff, it's good. They talked about spit in the last episode, <laughs> and why, uh, like, spitting cobras, like, they only evolved to do that. Spit. It's a lot yeah, they really did. They talked about like spit in all kinds of different ways, like why we do it and all the different things. Yeah. But they talked about spitting cobras. The only reason why they do that and they evolve that trait is once humans started to like evolve and change. Wow. They did yeah. it. Because the, the, the thing actually serves no other purpose other than to cause pain to creatures taller than four to five feet. So Interesting. Yep. It's weird. There's an ologies about bleach, uh, and what I derived from that one was that saltwater pools are basically giant vats of bleach because the the molecules that are in a saltwater pool is essentially a, just a super diluted version of the active ingredient of bleach. Huh. So keep there's something. That's- but yeah, no, I think it was. I think it's going to give just the officers <laughs> and, and everyone out there at the school to just hear about what we going on mm-hmm. and in like our plans too like i have it's cool because like everyone each one of the officers it, you know it's they come from a different background so like doing a story or like hearing their stories and then like talking about fly fishing with them like like you can't get better than that. so yeah. that's I, it's pretty cool so i just like talking to myself so, at least I get it. <laughs> so, and that's Aggie Fly Talk, and yeah. coming soon to Apple Podcasts, but currently on Spotify. Correct, Spotify, Anchor, and iHeartRadio. Don't forget, oh, nice. Heart. Nice. yeah, yeah. Found a yeah our one iHeartRadio yeah. listener. Just so you guys know, you can also listen to the Aggie Fly Talk <laughs> <laughs> podcast on iHeartRadio. Hey, so, yeah. Uh, wait, Lulu, Lulu, what was your favorite freshwater fish? Oh, uh, sunfish. Oh, okay. oh yeah, yeah. nice. Yeah. <laughs> Some of them are so I'm like you look odd, like because <laughs> uh, they're just out there doing their own thing. Like every every single one is different, and they're feisty. I feel like they're super duper feisty. Yeah. And and no chance you're not gonna land a sun. They're just it's not like oh I'm not cheating. They're super duper easy to get, but every time you pick one up. 
some of them got super bright coloring on them or a super long ear. They all look different. Stuff mm-hmm. like that. I'm like, you're so cool. And I'm trying to get it off of the hook. And then they're just like, leave me alone. I'm like, you have a lot of personality. Yeah. If they're a little bit bigger and a little bit harder to catch, man, everybody would be chasing awesome. them yeah. all the time. The little pigs. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, where you go, that's a big sunny. Yeah, <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah, those are my favorite. Well, cool, guys. Thanks for joining the podcast. Thank you yeah, so much for having Hey, I, I will mention one thing, and I'll send you guys a link after for your conservation, like, trash cleanups. Mm-hmm. We have yeah. a thing called Honey Hole Hates Trash. Oh, yes. I, I was looking at that earlier. So I saw that. you guys pick up trash. You take a, you fill out a form, and you submit a photo, and you're entered to win free gear. And what college student doesn't love a free T-shirt or a free wow. – some free fly fishing gear. Yeah. So, and this this week's time is what? Or this month's giveaway? The next, so they run every three months, and the giveaway for this one, it just started uh, at the beginning of February, so it'll run through uh, April. And we're giving away three separate tough fly kits, tough fly kits, which are a fly tying, like kind of like a UV fly tying kit. Oh, so, awesome. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely look into that for sure because I have the shameless plug. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> oh, also, but that reminds me, uh, you guys have a meeting coming up, right? That is correct. We have a joint meeting this uh, this Thursday with Aggieland Fly Fishing, uh, the Fly Fishers. We have a tie night, but next week okay. we do yeah. have a meeting, uh, and that's with the management uh, company that stocks Aggie Park. Uh, and we'll be learning. <laughs> we'll be learning more about that um, and the fish that live in there. Um, how to take care of them. What's properly. the date on that? Do you know? So that is February twenty eighth, I okay. believe. Yeah. Um, so two. It'll be a week after this podcast comes out. February twenty third. February twenty third. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, and I forgot to mention to you guys that we have a documentary coming out. Oh. Um, it's called The Guad. It is basically a, a film kind of promoting the Guadalupe River and uh, the fish that live in it. Um, and just getting a behind-the-scenes look of the guides, uh, a little bit about GRTU and how they protect and uh, the future plans for the river. So, nice. About, when is that, that should, coming out? That should be out by – it should be done by next weekend. Nice. So, and how, so, how can people uh, view it? So it'll be on the club uh, YouTube page, which is just uh, Texas a and Fly Fishing Club. It'll be on our Instagram. We'll feature it there. It, uh, GRTU will have it as well, Waterloo Trout Unlimited. So uh, we plan to submit it to the Fly Fishing Film Tour as nice. well. So that should be. Well, that would be for the following year. The yeah, following. yeah, 2023 yeah, 20, is already set. Yeah. That's, that's done already for this year. So yeah. for, for next year, we'll, we'll probably submit it for that. So. Okay, awesome. Yeah, we'll when you guys release that too, we'll be sure to share the links on our socials yeah, and everything sure. like that. That's, all, that that's awesome. awesome. Yeah. yeah. Thank you guys. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining the show, guys. This is great. That no, no, was awesome. Do y'all have any other questions for us? I feel like, uh, you know, but, I'm ready to answer some questions. That's what I think. We, uh, <laughs> I wrote a couple down, but I think we actually hit pretty much every all of them. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. So, um, as like a as a organization, do you guys do any like group outings or anything like that, or is it kind of like, hey, we meet you know once every so often and then you kind of do your own thing? Like, are you guys planning any trips together or anything like that? There's a socials aspect um, to every organization at the club that they always encourage us to do socials. So I think like our fly tying no- nights, yeah. it's, it's everybody can come, not just members. Yeah. 
and and that's I I know you have a ton of stuff planned like trips and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So like our meetings are formatted every other Thursday. So that Thursday or that week in between the meetings, we either try to do a fly tying night or we go fishing. Either right. it's kind of almost like really not planned out that much. We see. No, that's college. Yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> it's kind of in the group me that we have. It's almost eighty members big now. Um, oh, okay. So, um, but we, you know, who, who wants to fish tomorrow or what about going on, you know, tonight, are y'all done with homework, stuff like that. And we kind of carpool and, and kind of, you know, make it happen. That's the coolest thing about it is we make it happen. We mean the officers, a few of the officers went and chased white bass at the San Gabriel, uh, this past week. So we, we had fun. I got a few guys on their first white bass. Uh, so that, that was awesome. But, but yeah, just kind of you know, adventurous stuff. It's, it's the best thing. The best thing about fly fishing is that you're always exploring. You're always exploring. Oh yeah. So. Checking out someplace new and the amount of meetings, like every other Thursday is a lot for at least I've been a part of like some other Texas A&M organizations. Like I was the secretary for the CCA for a chapter um, and we met once a month Yeah, and we mm-hmm. did tailgating during football season and then we did some socials at the chicken here if you know about her (laughs) Um, and stuff like that and then like one beach cleanup and a fishing trip and stuff like that so whenever joseph was like oh yeah we're gonna have meetings every other thursday i was like geez okay i have something to do every other thursday (laughs) (laughs) i think it keeps people involved you know it does Once it's, once a month, it's easy to forget or miss one. But once every other week, it's like, hey, like I'm actively there. A lot done. Yeah. Once a month, and when we're here, our semester's four or five months long. We <laughs> get a lot done. Yeah. And yeah. Like he is grinding. Yeah. He's always got stuff going on all the time. It's definitely a job. Yeah. Really. <laughs> so, but I enjoy it. It it's it. I think the coolest thing about it is getting people my I, I can't explain to you the joy of getting people my age into fly fishing and not only fly fishing but conservation and, and stuff like that that's it's, it's gonna be up on yeah. so i want more girls though like, <laughs> so okay so lulu i do have a question for you and if if you know don't want to talk about it let me know we can cut this part out um but being a girl, being a woman in fly fishing you mentioned earlier that sometimes going out by yourself can be kind of like tough or tricky um, do, you, do you want to expand on that? Like, why, so like, why? Like, I want to be open, but also I want to open people's minds out there as far as like, you know, like they should be aware. Like, we should all be aware of these kind of things. You know, like how people feel when they're on the water. Yeah. So I think uh, it might. It could just be the way that I was raised to kind of be aware, nerve, or not really nervous, but just kind of aware of of my surroundings and 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 things that can go on and. And just as a woman, I, I could ask any woman I know that we're always teaching each other to be mindful of our aloneness um, and being alone and situational awareness. So it kind of instills this, like, fear, I guess, of, of doing anything alone, <laughs> unfortunately. I've definitely gone and fished alone and nothing has happened. Uh, I definitely wouldn't recommend to anyone to really you know, wade miles down a creek alone, I feel like it's much safer to do it with another person, just safety reasons. But when it comes to being in any wild setting or like at, like I could go to Aggie Park and alone and get followed 
or something. I could go out to a creek and somebody's property is adjacent to the creek and that person just happens to be a creep and I'm out in the creek behind his house. Like it's just anything that like, and I mentioned earlier, I'm, I love true crime. So it's probably something that <laughs> your mind's yeah. already in it. Yeah. Something that I've instilled into my own brain to just be like super nervous. Yeah, right, no, yeah. <laughs> things happen and I always feel safer with someone else. Yeah. It, it's just one of those things that being a being a woman alone anywhere uh, uh, can be dangerous. Just you know, um, and I'm a small, I'm a small woman. I'm a hundred pounds. <laughs> it could happen to me, but it's kind of it's it, it, it's that weird uh, it's that weird fear that that we have uh, that we kind of put on each other, unfortunately. So I always wish that. Like, I know plenty of, like, I know um, Shy on the Fly is a fly guide. Uh, she's she's great. She's awesome. And then, like, Fatty on the Fly is also a female fly guide uh, or just an avid fisherwoman. Like, I know plenty of them are out there. Um, and they, I don't really know if a lot of them talk about going alone. Yeah. It's probably, it might be pers- a personal thing. Um, I've talked to, like, some of my girlfriends about it. They don't fly fish, but we all kind of have this 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 knowledge that it's not safe to go anywhere alone. So I don't think it, I don't think you're alone because I talked to my wife. Like if I'll go out of town for the weekend, you know, I'll be like, "Hey, why don't you go fly fishing?" You know, and and she does. Yeah, she she brings up that same thing. Well, you know, like, uh, it's it's just easier with you, you know, or or it's just yeah. you know, I need to get another person to go with me, sort of thing. And yeah. and I get that, but you know, it's just I think it's I don't know. It's it's sad that it has to be that way. From um, personal experience like going places alone i've been approached by people like in weird situations yeah. countless numbers of times but when i'm with like a guy they see the guy and they're like oh, i'll back off i've been approached with another girl uh, in in weird situations and stuff like that yeah. so it's it's just like it, it's weird it's, it's a little uncomfortable i want to enjoy what i'm doing obviously if i'm going fly fishing yeah. i want to on what I'm doing and like immersed in the environment and adventuring, not being like, did you hear that? It's like, is that a man? Like, you know, <laughs> coming after me or something like that. Yeah. Right. It's weird. It's unfortunate, but it, it, it could also just be personal. There could be. I, I don't necessarily think it is because I know yeah. speaking about my wife too, same thing. Yeah. I she wouldn't go fishing by herself, but I, I go fishing by myself all the time. Yeah. I don't even think about it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even think about it. Yeah. Uh, if I had like a like a group of girls, like I think there's three total, three or four, three yeah. or four out of the there's eighty some members in the group, me, yeah. um, and the very small portion of them are girls. Like the last meeting we had with Bill Gamble, I was the only girl, and then another uh, woman showed mm-hmm. up, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> Until then, it was a sausage fest, and I was just like, what? I really hope, yeah, I, if I had, like, a group of girls that I could, I, I would definitely go out more. Um, I don't mind going with the guys. Like, I can be one of the bros if you need me to, but <laughs> um, I I think it, I would be more active, and I would love seeing more girls active, more right. women. Active. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, especially in fly fishing. I know there's a lot of conventional fisherwomen out there. Yeah, that's true. I think it's, like, a, it's, it's also a, there's a, a common sense for everyone, and then there's a common sense for men. 
And I think sport fishing, any kind of fishing, hunting, stuff like that, there's a big demographic of men who do it, and that's just common sense for them. And sometimes they'll introduce it to their wives or their girlfriends or daughters, and then it becomes common sense for them. And then there's girls who have no idea about that stuff, and they would never, ever get introduced to it unless a man showed it to them. So it's part of me. I want to be an officer. I want to be the woman that other girls see. Okay. It's sort of like you see someone that looks like you, you're a little bit more comfortable getting introduced to it. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Awesome. <laughs> do you guys have to do any fundraising or anything like that to pay the bills, so to speak? Uh, yeah. I mean, yes, definitely. Yeah. The biggest thing with TU is that they, it's, it's almost, you know, they support us a hundred percent, you know, regardless of how we're doing here. That's the best thing about it is we don't have to repay them back for anything for our partnership, okay. basically. Um, but, you know, we, we, we do want to have, uh, we, uh, you know, we're, we're blessed enough to have our advisor, Joe DeWolf. Uh, he has uh, on hand 20 uh, nine foot five weights that we can use with his uh, attendance at any meeting, any casting. So people who don't have rods and stuff, we're able to use that. But for the future, I definitely want some tying stuff and uh, a bunch of different things that would, would make the club pretty, pretty awesome. Um, and, and that's what we're trying to build on right now is collect donations and figure out ways to fundraise. So, Yes, we have we have a GoFundMe. Who's <laughs> 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 right there? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and that's uh, on our Instagram. You can access it from our Instagram. There's okay, a there's, nice. there's a hyperlink on the bio. All right, Aggie Network, do your thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think we should be planning to do some kind of fundraising thing. I don't know yeah. what it would be though. We definitely should try that. Um, yeah, so- bake sales go a long way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How much I would trust our our uh, <laughs> with baking ingredients, but that's true. That's, that's true. true. That's true. But, hey, a bake sale go a long way. <laughs> yeah. That's all I'm saying. Another big thing is too being at these festivals, being in front of the yeah. the world is like they have a club. Like yeah, they do. We do. Yeah. So, uh, and then you know alumni passing through there, it's just they throw they throw money at any anything that's Aggie. So yeah. we're gonna we're gonna try and soak that up as much yeah. as we can. And we'll have a donation box at both of the events as well for any leftover materials, any rods y'all don't use. I mean, we, we are accepting it all. So okay. we'll have a big big old Tupperware there for, for donations. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, we're looking forward to see you guys at Trout Fest. Yeah, just a couple of days. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. It's cool. Will y'all both be there? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, right. yeah. We're, the, we're, we're we'll camping be, out. We're camping, <laughs> and we'll be yeah, recording we'll podcasts. Have a, we'll have an RV at, the, uh, at Lazy. So. Oh, oh, nice. So, yeah, we all have RVs. Yeah, I'm bringing a few of the officers down, and we'll be there from from Saturday till Sunday. Do you know Sunday. what site you're at? I would just wonder if they're just right by yeah. us. Lumber party. Uh, yeah. <laughs> No, the whole night is just like everyone's. Just, yeah, just, no, just, I think just, uh, we're uh, we're gonna do. We have an off. Uh, we, the Riverside uh, campsite's got full, and I'll. Uh, I, was one left. There was one left. I think someone took it. So we're we're off river, um, and I think we're uh, two something, okay. two seventeen. Yeah, so yeah. we got um, like five in a row, right? Like one, like right there, Riverside, like one thirty-three. Yeah. We're like, oh, oh no, Texas A, no five. Yeah. 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 
know where you're sleeping. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this comes yeah. out after, so yeah. yeah, we can tell people where we're sleeping. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, we actually like make s'mores together or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Saturday I mean, night, you come over, you know, after the after the film. Are you guys yeah. doing the the film and everything? We so we. Uh, I was talking to the president of uh, GRTU, and uh, they don't have a extension cord. We can go out there, so we're we're probably just gonna have to display it from the laptop. But oh, hey. Yeah, yeah. We'll have a few stickers, 20 in particular, that my aunt printed out. So, <laughs> hey, that's that's how you get started, man, you know? that's yep. that's. Oh, yeah. Uh, I only see this thing growing, though, from, from here on out. Well, yeah, so. you guys are already at 80 members. That's that's a, that's something to, you know, yeah. turn, out, turn your nose at. That's so. not the full uh, census of who shows up, but that's yeah. everyone who hurt me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there, yeah, that's true. That's true. Exactly. Yeah. So, fun, fun plans and, and excited for it. Yeah, it looks like you guys got it rolling, and it's hopefully, like you said, it'll be something that continues on after okay. you guys graduate. Of course. Yeah, then you'll have that uh, A&M Fly Fishing Club Aggie Network, that niche, that niche <laughs> so, group. Super niche. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the biggest question that I get about this club being started is, like, where can you fish? Where can you fly fish? That's the question. And my biggest answer to that is, you can fly fish anywhere that has water and you can conventional fish. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. that is the truth. And, and being, you know, that I started up in Colorado that, you know, moving down here and actually seeing that you can fly fish all these different places and people have been doing it for years. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's, it's really special. And I think it's, it's a way to, you know, you know, just, yeah, get out there. So. <laughs> oh yeah. It may not be super beginner. Aggie Park. There's a little good amount of. I got beef with whoever designed <laughs> the arboriculture there with the trees and the stuff. Yeah. I'm to do that actually. I have a connection there. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> there's trees everywhere. I'm not. I'm like the most intermediate caster out there, and I'll be. Oh, with a tree. <laughs> oh, that'll never end. That's the part of fly fishing that yeah, sticks with you forever. Is you trees. always catch trees. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. There's yeah. Tons of, so. yeah. And there's well, a nice bridge. Fly to that bridge. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, thank you guys for joining the podcast. This was awesome. It was, yeah. Thank no, you so was, much for having us. Yeah. Who knew? Who knew? Uh, who knew? <laughs> Not me. <laughs> well, I'm so glad you reached out to me, Landon, because uh, I definitely wanted to, because to, you know, I've been listening to y'all for a while, and I was like, you know, how great would it be if we could talk to these guys? And when you when you emailed me the other day, I was like, yeah, man, we're, we're game on. As long as y'all are good, then we're good. Yeah. No, awesome, guys. No, really. yeah, Thank no thanks, thanks for so working much. with us. And we'll, uh, we'll... I was like, give me an episode so I can listen to them. Yeah. <laughs> But I like it. It's cool. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. So um, we'll put all your guys' links in the description of the show yep. notes. And share it on our page. And, and share it on our page and everything. So if you guys want to support uh, the Texas a and Fly Fishing Club, the link will be in the description to their Instagram and everything like that. And then we'll see you guys at Trout Fest, which we're looking yes. forward to. Yes. Awesome. We'll be, each other's hair. We'll yeah. be there. And Lulu, and then Lulu will actually be uh, attending uh, with me and a few other officers to the Texas Fly Fishing Festival, Brew Festival yeah, yeah. which is the following weekend in Mesquite, Texas. Yes. Actually, Texas. That will come out after this podcast. Yep. Yep. Correct. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank yes, of so course. Much. Thank you. Look in the description below to find links to our website, online store, YouTube channel, Facebook, 
Instagram, TikTok, Discord server, and blog. Please send your podcast questions and inquiries to info at honeyholeangling.com. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll see you again next week.